Wow, I got a lot of things on my heart today that I would like to talk about. It's been over a month since I've been able to, uh, to speak to you, at least in the format of a lesson or a sermon. And when I think about that song, every praise and praise is heard around the world and all that we experienced, you know, together in St. Louis with so many thousands of others of our brothers and sisters and friends from around the country. Wow, I'm just really filled with so much. And I really enjoyed watching some of you sing on every praise. I particularly love it when the 50 and 60 year old men are kind of like really kind of get into that you know I mean it everybody hadn't caught that particular form of, of uh, you know enthusiasm but we definitely have grown through the years and even being able to express you know our worship we all do it in a little bit different way but it is very encouraging so there are many things I would like to speak you know about there is of course today one thing that I am compelled to talk about and so I'm going to choose to do that today with the scriptures and to look at some scriptures I think that can, as Jeff likes to say, inform our worldview, help us spiritually and help us be more equipped to be what God has, uh, has called us to be as light and loving in this world of darkness. Let's say a prayer together. Our Father, thank you so much for indeed calling us out of darkness and into your amazing light it's an utter privilege and undeservedly so to be your chosen people, as you said, to be your royal priesthood, to be a holy nation, to, to be your own special possession. We know that's not based on any merit or works of our own or any kind of excellence, but simply your grace in the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we know that we have been called out of a world of darkness to declare your praises, praises of you who have called us out of darkness and into your wonderful light. And we do pray you will help us as reflected of your light and the light of Jesus to shine. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Today, the title of the, the sermon, the message is simply, Out of Darkness. It's a very prominent theme, Old Testament and in the New Testament. In Isaiah chapter 60, in the book of Isaiah, it's outlined a lot. In chapter 60 and verse 2, it says, See darkness, it covers the earth, and thick darkness is over all the nations of the earth. Later on, a chapter later, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, Isaiah prophesies, because the Lord sent me to anoint and to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Isaiah was inspired by God to pen those things, but it was really brought into fulfillment as Jesus, after he spent his time of darkness in the desert for 40 days doing battle with the prince of darkness and all of his deceitful schemes, he came out of that experience stronger. He came into Nazareth, his hometown. He opened up the Bible, the scroll, and he read, in fact, that very passage. As he said, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. We know what he's talking about from John chapter 1. You know that the light came into the world, you know, and we beheld his glory. Glory is of the only Son of God. The light still shines in the darkness, John 1 says, and the darkness has never comprehended it. But he goes on and he says in Matthew chapter 4, 16, Jesus did, they've seen a great light and all those living in the shadow of death, a light, it's dawned. 
And then from that day on, it says, Jesus began to preach, repent. In other words, change, change your heart, change your behavior, change your attitudes. Repent for the kingdom of God is just right here. It's just right there. And then we know how that theme continues on as people were, heard the preaching of the resurrected Christ. And in Acts chapter 26, in verse 18, as, as the preaching goes, Paul says that he has been sent to open the eyes, Jesus, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power of God. In Ephesians, Paul says, hey, we once were darkness, but now we're light in the Lord. Colossians 1.13, he's brought us from that dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, whom he loves. And as John so eloquently put it, as he was much older, much more mature, and seen a lot of stuff going on in the church and in the world over many decades, he says, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother or sister is still in, you got it, the darkness. And anyone who hates his brother or sister is in the darkness and he walks around in darkness. They don't know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. And then continuing on this theme, help kind of get our minds sort of soaked in scripture and in the word of God, going back to a couple of verses in Isaiah. So justice is far from us. Woe to those who go to great debts to hide their plans from the Lord and do their work in darkness and think, who sees us, who will know? Justice is far from us and righteousness does not reach us. We look for light, but all is darkness. For brightness, but we walk in deep shadows. And so even the Upside Down musical, many of you saw either recently or over the past years, maybe you've caught some of the DVD, Darkness. It's the refrain, the entire music. Oh, the world is in darkness. And yet a light has shined. Our brother and my, my great friend, Mike Wyatt, kind of, you know, shared his heart with us as he took us to communion and to the cross. And he, he, he's working through stuff like we all are about the, the recent events in our country and really around the world. Mike was one of the brothers that some of us as leaders got together and, and we talked on Wednesday night before All Church Midweek about how we can minister to ourselves as a church and to the world in these, uh, in, in these times. It's, say, it's the end of summer and we'd like to just go, let's go to Whitewater and not even think about stuff, okay? and just kind of chill out and we want to chill out and we want to rejoice always and pray constantly and we want to know the joy of the Lord is our strength but there are times as the Bible says there's a time to rejoice and a time to to weep and a time to connect okay be able to get conviction from it move on and then go about be who we are created you know to be but it is, it's, it's been a, uh, the past two weeks have reeked of blood and of violence and unrest and discord in our country and beyond. I think we do know that. I think we, we remember, Mike remind us, the cell phone videos, you know, of, of, of black men killed by police officers in Baton Rouge and Falcon Heights. We saw the ambush horribly, you know, on TV, killing at least five police officers and injuring seven. The country reeling, you know, from all of this and just trying to figure out how to feel about it. 
what to do with it. Only weeks ago, I mean, seems just like days, I mean, this mass murder and mayhem and terrorism in Orlando and San Bernardino. And then, as Mike mentioned, like in, in Bastille Day, the French are trying to celebrate their Independence Day. And some, you know, crazed terrorist, you know, wreaks mayhem and murder and destruction and kills 84 people and puts dozens of others in critical condition. And then we know about the bombings in the airport in Belgium and Istanbul. And we got two of our sisters right now in the Istanbul airport trying to get to Croatia to be able to serve with the Hope Youth Corps right now at this moment. And, and then, you know, in the middle of the night the other day, you know, all of Turkey starts blowing up with a, with a failed coup, we leave 200 people dead, and it's just chaos in so many places. What this simply does is confirm in kind of a compact, short period of time that our world is indeed in darkness and separation from God. Can, can we really just deal with that on a, a basic level and not forget that? Even as we do rejoice in the Lord, we love our families, we love our country, we love the life of the most part that he's given us, but we are by his spirit within us being transformed from one degree of glory into another to be like God, to be like Christ and to feel more deeply about things that at one time we really didn't feel much deeply, you know, you know at all. God cares about injustice. He cares about disunity. He cares about, about sin. And you know, I mean, seriously, whether it's political parties or fearful citizens, there seems to be a lot of blame to go around. But in response, many have tried their best from their limited vantage point and perspective to offer commentary, to offer consolation, to offer help. And that's appreciated on all levels. It's impossible not to get tweaked by certain things that are said even by our own brothers and sisters sometimes. It's, it's, it's really impossible. You know, Kelly and I, we were struck when I think it was Thursday night, President Obama was on national TV in something he called a conversation, you know, about these issues. We were struck with how healing and unifying and, uh, you know, non-political it was in a real caring spirit and, and, and a trying to have a balanced discussion on, on, on both sides of the conversation. That was meaningful to us. I don't know where you're at. You know, maybe you were more into the ESPYs on Wednesday night, okay, with ESPN. And there we had four of our most prominent basketball players, you know, NBA basketball players, try to share what they thought was meaningful, you know, with the country and to be able to help out, or at least the sports fans. Everybody's, I think, trying to weigh in and do what we can. Ben, by the way, though, if if we are holding our breath for Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump to figure this thing out, I suggest don't exhale for a while. I mean, you can be holding your breath for a good long time on that. And even the truth is, even a resurrected Donald Ronald Reagan or Abraham Lincoln could not fix it. Because this is all about God. It's all about Jesus Christ. It's all about his people. It's about the resurrected one that we need to go to. It's about the Alpha and the Omega. It's about the truth, the way, and the life. He is truly the only person who can and ever could really bring together this kind of disparity, okay? And that's why the Bible says he makes the two become one. And we'll get into some of those really encouraging passages in a minute. How about that? You're going to need it. We all will. 
Okay, but it is focusing on Jesus Christ and lengthening our stride as a church and as individuals to follow him more closely, to be more like him, to be able to, to follow in his steps. Our world, this world that we will leave to our children, is in major need of being turned upside down all over again. And, wow, I mean, we're on the front lines of that. That's what God asks us to do, and that's where his heart is as well. You know, we really do. I know you do with me. You appreciate every effort, every concern, every dialogue, every, you know, engagement. But just got to remind us here, okay, since we're Christians and disciples of Jesus Christ, what the absolute first order of business is as we consider this as Christians, okay? First and foremost, our heartfelt, earnest, determined, faithful prayers and cries to God must be our first order of business. And we appreciate any and every American or world citizen who joins in calling out to God and asking for his help and grace. And here's where it is, gang. Okay, here's what the evangelist in a very large church in Ephesus was told to emphasize to the brothers and sisters, okay? So we need to do that and, and all of us need to make it a first priority as we consider our world and our country and for God being able to bring healing. I urge then, first of all, first of all, for any other stuff that we're doing, that we have prayers and all kinds of prayers. Did you see that? Prayers and intercessions and thanksgiving, all kinds of prayers, you know, before God. For whom? For kings and those in authority, for world rulers, for community leaders, for church leaders, etc. For all of those that, that actually even have God-ordained positions of responsibility and to pray for them so we can have peaceful lives. And because God desires what? All men to be saved and to have peace and to have harmony and love even though in, as we are in the world, we are not of the world. And so, number one, gang, church, this is on my heart. I really have tried to do this. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good in prayer in the sense of I've grown a lot in that over the last few years. You know, all of you are on my heart. I do pray for you. Pray for your kids, pray for my kids, pray for some, a lot of the churches around. But you know, I, I got to say, I'm not going to get like an A plus on this or even a B plus. Okay, I'm deaf, I'm lucky to get a C on this. And I think it heads in the minus category, okay? As far as how much time I really do. And so I want to do better on that. But as a church, especially if we tend to go into some of these things like anger, frustration, despair, numbness, whatever it is, let's get on our knees and go to God, okay? First order of business for all of us. I want to encourage us to pray just as it says, but also let's pray for the names of these people and their families that have fallen. Generally speaking, in some of these public, you know, you know, forums, they're pretty, uh, you know, they're pretty easy to get, uh, you get a hold of because, you know, one of the issues that we all have to deal with is this thinking, you know, this concept of invisibility. When, when, when a situation or a country is far away, it can almost be like for many people that those who were killed, their lives really don't matter that much, okay? Because they're just, they're, they're just so far away from our sphere. 
And so being able to pray specifically for people and for names and those, you know, I mean, for the Turkish president, you know, for whomever it is, I mean, God will put these people on your heart. And obviously to pray for world leaders, church leaders, community leaders, and to pray for justice, you know, to be done, you know, and so, so, so that other people will be protected, whether it's officers or other young black Americans or whoever it is, or innocent citizens around the world that just have to wake up literally in terror, in terror, you know, on a day-to-day basis to really, to really to go to God in this, you know, you just got to ask, how are we doing on this? Now, obviously, our Father in heaven is grieved and he is angry about the way that so many lives don't seem to matter that much to other people. And he he grieves for police officers slain in the line of duty, for godly law enforcement officers of every color that sacrificially try to look after our country and others. He grieves for all of those young men that have died in, in, in all places in the world. Everybody who's in a similar situation. Yes, the Father, our Father in heaven, the Lord of the universe, he does care and he does even grieve over this. Now here's where I want to go. Okay, we won't be here the whole sermon, but we do need to kind of drill down a little bit because I definitely can fall into this category that sometimes the focus of my life, even my spiritual life and church life, hopefully your spiritual life is all your life, but sometimes even our times of worship can be a little bit disconnected from examples in the Bible and the the lived experience of many people. And you know, sometimes, I mean, it just doesn't do it every, every time to do a happy, clappy song. Hey! That does not do it. It's not appropriate, you know, always. Just to try to be fired up, to be, help, you, know, to, you know, to be excited and that kind of thing. There, there is the time, there is the time for what the Bible calls to lament. Anybody know that word? To lament. Now, wait, wait, Tom, I thought the Bible said to rejoice always. Pray constantly and give thanks in all circumstances, right? But does it not also say rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn? Their lament, what is it? It's, a, it's grieving passionately and it's crying out. Did, I don't know, did you guys know, again, this is not my lane that I travel in. Okay, I enjoy being relatively positive and happy. And I choose to focus on that and scriptures and I try to be around relationships that encourage me along that line. There are times I can be a skosh superficial and not as deep and to feel as deeply as I need to. So it's a lane that, you know, I, I, you know, I have to visit a little bit more often. But did you know that there actually is a book in the Bible named... Lamentations. Okay, how many people, your favorite book in the Bible is Lamentations. Okay, let's just own up to it. That is my favorite book. I just, it, it just opens up, you know, to Lamentations. Okay, probably not. And some of you may not even have discovered it, you know, as yet. And, but I'm, I just would like to read a few verses, you know, along this line. And truly, I do know you know this in your personal life, that there is a time to mourn. And there is a time to, 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 to even get upset. And if you're reading the Bible, there are times to not only get upset with what's going around you, but to get a little bit bothered by God. And to kind of 
lay out your heart, you know, to him. And, and hopefully we got good friends and brothers and sisters in Christ where we can share our heart and our not so sweet hearts sometimes with them. And, and they can listen to us and love us and help turn us back to God and to pray because this is, this is realness. Just want to read a couple of, of lines here in Lamentations. If you want to follow along, that's fine. You can bookmark it, but I'll just read a couple of verses beginning verse 20. Lamentations. See, Lord, how distressed I am. I'm in torment. And in my heart, I am disturbed. Verse 11, my eyes, they fail from weeping. I'm in torment within. My heart is poured out on the ground because my people are destroyed. Because children and infants faint in the streets of the city. What he's hurting about is not that his tax return didn't come in like, quite like he thought. Okay? That, that's not what it is or that, you know, the recruiting class isn't looking so good this fall. That's not what he's like really hurting over. He's hurting, if you know, the context of his, his, his community, his society. He, God's people are in disarray and, and really the whole country is as well. It, it's hurting him and he says in verse 18, the hearts of the people, they cry out to the Lord. Daughters of Zion, let your tears flow like a river. Give yourself no rest, your eyes no rest. Like we said before, Ecclesiastes, there is a time to mourn and there is a time to weep. Arise in the night and pour out your heart like water. In chapter 3 and verse 37, my eyes will flow unceasingly without relief until the Lord looks down from heaven and sees my distress. This is called a lament. In case you didn't know what that was, this is a lament. This is a lamentation. This is he's hurting over what he's seeing and going on around him. Now most of these passages and these prophets and certainly David in the Psalms and others, they work through it by the end of it and they start focusing on God again and trusting him and doing what the Bible says cast all your anxieties on him and he cares for you he will give you you peace but he says in verse 37 because you do face these kinds of things as you're a caring person as you're becoming more like Christ and more like God there's confusion because you don't have all the answers, you do, don't see all the perspectives, and you, there's a, you're just not even sure sometimes how to feel. That's how we are. But we shift to God, and here in verse 37, even Jeremiah is dealing with this when he says, Who can speak and, and have it happen if the Lord is not decreed it? Is it not far from the mouth of the Most High that both calamities and good things come? And then... You ever read the Psalms? They are not all, be flat fired up. There's some wonderful things where you lament over your sin, right? Psalm 51 that I have become very familiar with through the years. Create a clean heart, O God, in me. And he's hurting over his sin and hurting God. But wow. In so many things of, of confidence and joy and exaltation and praise in the Psalms, there certainly are some very significant Psalms of lament. I'd just like to take your attention to uh, one of them, Psalm 74. Now, I'm really not encouraging you all this week to make this the, the, the week of lamenting Bible study, okay? And just, just soak yourself in laments, okay? But, but I do think you need to have a balanced diet. 
as we read the scripture and as we study and particularly when we're faced with things in our lives and community in the world that that are appropriate Psalm 74 let's read a couple of verses beginning in verse 1 here's what the psalmist says because he's going to get very real with God now we do know about get getting real with God and these laments that they are very often prone to hyperbole exaggerational and emotional overstatement right we do it in our own lives and you even see it in the Bible and in the scripture but they work through it here's how Psalm 74 rolls okay if you're following along verse 1 God why have you rejected us forever that's that's overstated why does your anger smolder against the sheep of your pasture that that's not quite correct remember the nation you purchased long ago the people of your inheritance turn your steps toward us and the destruction of the enemy that is brought on this sanctuary verse 9 we're given that is a spiritual guy right in the Psalms he's a leader we are given no signs from God no prophets are left none of us knows how long this will be how long will the enemy mock you God why do you hold back your hand your right hand take it from the folds of your garment and destroy them can you talk to God like that can you talk to God like that was he french fried right there in front of like uh, everybody else no he's just being real Hey, hey, hey he, he's, he's going to work through it. David does it all the time. Verse 13, he continues on. And, and it, it's okay to pray. Not only okay to pray like this, it's to cry out to God. And you're going to see as we move down here to call on him to act. And for you to persistently and fervently and prayerfully just calling on God to act. Not only in the lives of our children, not only in the lives of our country, but in the lives of people, you know, suffering from all of this injustice and, you know, and, 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 terrorism and everything else you know the way uh, way, way people treat each other in the darkness in verse 13 it was you God who split open the sea it was you who crushed the heads of the Leviathan it was you who opened up the springs and streams this day is yours also the night it was you who set the boundaries of the earth verse 18 remember how the enemy has mocked you Lord verse 19 don't hand over the life of your dove to wild beasts don't forget the lives of your afflicted people do not let the oppressed retreat in disgrace may the poor and needy praise your name rise up oh God defend your cause remember how fools mock you all day long not just lamenting not just grieving not just being depressed but crying out to God for God to act to defend to intercede and if it's not the people of God who's going to do it not just complain about it and throw out five or six different solutions that may, you know, be the, you know, choice du jour, you know, of the day. But to really call on God to act. I do want to encourage you. Even in good old lamentations, as old Jeremiah works through this stuff, he turns to faith and trust and hope in God. And it actually is the inspiration and the basis for a meaningful song in our lives. It's in verse 23 and 22 in Lamentations. We, uh, from this passage, gets our song, The Steadfast Love of the Lord Never Ceases. Right after he has lamented up to high heaven and back. Because the Lord's love is great, we're not consumed. For his compassions, they never fail. 
They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those who hope is in him. To the one who seeks him, it's good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Amen, Jeremiah. Because that ultimately is what we're going to have to lay our requests before God, pour out our hearts before him, whether it's in joy or mourning or sadness, and call on him and wait for him to act. As we read it, maybe we ought to sing it. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will hope in him. Therefore I will hope in him. At this point in the sermon, um, you know, it's good to ask, where are our minds and even our emotions? As we deal with these tragedies and realities and consider our future together as a church, as a community, country, as a world. Probably a good time to reflect on your thoughts, your prayers, your social media comments, your conversations. If you found maybe yourself ignoring these shootings of Alton Sterling and Alandro Castile, Maybe it's that the struggles of, of, of many uh, black lives in these situations are a little bit out of sight or out of mind. Or with the, 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 the tragedies our police officers and their families are going through. Or in these far-flung places in the world that have, seem to have so little connection with us, but they're just people just like us. You know, it, it's a good thing to ask, am I growing in my compassion like God and Jesus? I'm not like him exactly. I, I got to keep working at that. I'll never totally get it. But is that an area that I'm growing in? Am I concerned very greatly about the injustices of these, uh, that are apparent in some of these situations? And, and there are really many. But, but maybe I don't know how to think about this or process it or, or even know how to pray about these attacks on our the murder of these police officers, etc., etc. Am I angry? Am I scared? Am I confused? Am I defensive? Am I apathetic? Am I numb? Do I just not really even know? But reflecting on these questions will, in fact, illuminate us individually on where our need for study in God's Word really might be. I'm not sure we can do better as we go into some practical instruction here <clears throat> that the apostle gives us in the church. I'm not sure that we can do much better than as uh, the Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 2 that to, 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 to have the same mind and heart, that's verse 5, the next verse here, that was in Christ Jesus. And specifically, <clears throat> when he tells us that we should learn how to, in humility, consider others above ourselves and not just look at our own interest. Yeah. That's very godly. That's very difficult. Allow God's spirit to work and transform in our life. Because this is what we're hoping will happen around the world, around all of us, 
and and all our uh, our, our communities. It's uh, this is this is a, an important concept. And then I want to encourage us here as you pray and as you lament. <clears throat> how about considering some basic biblical truths as you pray and as you think about these things that that are clearly throughout the scripture, but maybe sometimes can be a little elusive, you know, for you. Um, yeah, I may have gone past it. Let's see if I can get back there. Okay. Okay, so uh, didn't make it into my, uh, you know, my final version. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Throw it in the newsletter or whatever. It's very, it's, it's good stuff. Number one, the sanctity of human life in the sin of murder. Number two, the unity of the church as the global people of God. Number three, the need for the church to bear one another's burdens and to exercise great patience with each other. You remember how Paul talked about this? As he talked about one of our favorite passages, 2 Timothy chapter 4. Preach the word. Be urgent. In season and out season. It's a strong passage. Rebuke, rebuke, correct, exhort. But then he goes with great patience and careful instruction. Everybody does not get it uniformly. You don't, I don't, nobody does. And so we exercise great patience and love with one another, I mean, which really brings us to the heart of the matter. To remember and deeply appreciate and help grow this countercultural witness of the church of Jesus. It is in the darkness that the light shines brightest. And this is what happened in the first century. It's what continues to happen. Jesus said, everybody's going to know that you're my disciples from, well, John 15, that you're perfectly united, okay, as the Father and I are one, and here in John chapter 13, everybody's going to know you're the real deal because you love one another, not just as yourself, you love one another as I loved you. This is, uh, wow, you know, I just, hey, can I give us a little bit of encouragement on this? How are we doing on this? We actually have grown pretty much stronger on this in North River. All you got to do is turn back the page, eight years, ten years, five years. We're growing in our love, you know, for one another. And it is encouraging. Now we got more to do, but we are, we are making, you know, you, know, you know, some progress. I still remember back in our church in, uh, in Gainesville where, where I became a Christian and, you know, and grew up. It was back in the 70s, but, we, you know, we had racial discord in the 70s also. I'm not sure if anybody knows that, but we did. And <clears throat> here I am. I'm like a sophomore in college, and uh, we're having ri race riots in Gainesville, Florida. And the National Guard has tanks running up and down University Avenue, okay? And then, you know, idiot campus kids that we are, even as a young Christian, we're running in and dodging them, and we think this is really fun, you know, and just having a good old time with it. But it's very, very serious, you know, what's going on. <clears throat> in the midst of that, our church had grown, and it had become, yes, in fact, diverse. Young, old, black, white, you know, all nations, I mean, it, was, it, was, it truly was a testimony like the church in the New Testament. And <clears throat> we had a brother who came in, and Sam Lang is the one who really can tell this story well, because he was right in the middle of Bible studies in this situation. We had a fellow who was, you know, in the, uh, you know, associated with the Black Panthers there, very tough guy, you know, very prominent on, you know, on campus. You readily admitted he, uh, you, you know, he had firearms and had shot at white people, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, he came in to the church because his girlfriend, of all things, got baptized. Ah, that, isn't that rough? That's rough. And 
So she drags him into church and he comes in. He really hadn't seen anything like that. Okay, with so much diversity, loving each other, hugging each other, coming up and being friendly. I mean, he was stone-faced for sure. And, you know, it's hard to feel that church service. Okay, but he went afterwards. And these were in the old days where we had Sunday morning church and Sunday night church. Okay, and so he told his girlfriend, all right, I think they knew I was coming. You know, you should not have done that. You told them I was coming and they, 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 they did all this for me. There's no way, there's no way that is real. In, at least in his experience, he never seen that. So he, he said, so I snuck back into that evening service. You know, I snuck back in. And you know, he, he, what he, he said when he was sharing after his baptism, he said, and you guys had gotten worse. <laughs> you got worse. Because you know, sometimes those Sunday night services can be even a little looser. Okay, uh, on that. Yeah, really good news. Fred did get baptized into Christ and helped impact, you know, many people in his peer group, you know, you know, for, you know, for Christ. In St. Louis, it was, it was a very meaningful time, but we had some people from the traditional church, you know, that were there, the traditional Church of Christ. And uh, one of their publications, prominent publication, is something called the Christian Chronicle. And so they had one of the editors from there, and he wrote an article about that, about, uh, you know, uh, leaders of the International Churches of Christ got together and, uh, and shared about, you know, his, you know, his experiences. Here's some of the things he wrote. We found a, major- a noticeable diverse audience in terms of ethnicity, nationality, age, socioeconomic levels. More than half the participants were singles, college students, adults, and children. And he was just remarking about how diverse and unusual that is. Okay, not in the Church of Jesus Christ, okay, as we mature and grow. But then he goes on to say, you don't do a lot of handshaking at the ICOC conferences. As some of us know, when we first got initiated, that's difficult to do. He said, uh, we learned everybody hugs there. I mean, everybody. (laughs) Now, it's not just about hugs. It's not just about having different kind of people in the same auditorium. Guys, we have to work at this and continue to more and more. This is what Paul said, even though the Thessalonian church was a great example of love. He said, I want to urge you to do it more and more. You know what I'd like to do? You you guys that are my close friends, those of you that I'm just getting to know, our, our honored guests that are here today, is wherever you are, where I am in this, Let's grow in this. Let's do so more and more. Our church really needs to be a testimony of light and loving, but we also need to take it outside of this building and just do our very best, prayerfully, with our hearts, opening up the Bible, praying, rejoicing, what all we can do to be able to contribute in, uh, you know, in this way. Here's what Peter said, you know, above everything else, you know, there's a lot of stuff we work on in our church, in our spiritual life, but how about above everything else? Love one another. How? Deeply. So we all got to think, how am I doing on the deeply part? Because love, it does cover a multitude of sins. And we got a bunch we need covering up in our lives, in our community. Let's not ever forget, God is working. (laughs) I'm going to close out with a couple of minutes on what I wanted to talk about. (laughs) 
Because Jeff's going to come here next week and steal all the good stuff, you know? <laughs> I got this, uh, we got an email from Costa Rica. Okay, as you know, we got about 20 of our members, young and old, you know, that are there helping serve the church and putting on a youth camp up in Costa Rica. Lynn Beatty writes, time in Costa Rica, it's been great. The kids got to camp yesterday, got off the bus. They were so happy to see us. Some of the girls had tears streaming down their faces. One could barely talk, but looked at me in tears and said, we've been waiting a whole year for you to come back. They love North River. Our adult team is unbelievable. Let's hear it for the adults in the church. Boom. Amen, campus. We love you. Amen, teen, swamp, middle school. Okay, but how about those adults? They are cranking in Costa Rica. And Steve Brand and Terrell and, and Steve Atkins were not chopped liver in Ghana either a month ago, okay? And uh, wherever, wherever our people go, our adult team is unbelievable. The consistency has been so endearing to the church here. The kids adore Yacinto. He keeps the music coming and makes sure everything is a riot. The kids cheer when they see him. Paula has the hearts of the teen girls. She knows them and loves them and they know it. I can't begin to tell you how amazing Jeff is. Okay, tell us something we don't know. <laughs> how amazing Jeff and Christy are in this setting. They're natural missionaries. Jeff hits on all cylinders in moving the hearts of the kids to seeing the overall needs of the church and especially leadership. My favorite thing is watching Jeff's crazy come out yesterday on the on the dance floor break dancing with an eight-year-old <laughs> tonight Jacinto and Jeff are dressed up like grannies who are searching for their lost dreams I don't know if you can see that too well we'll have to get HD on this you know and like tighten it up that today they studied with the camp director who couldn't stop talking to me tonight about the study Christy is all in she gives completely, watching the overall needs of the group. The teen girls are crazy about her. She's real and honest, telling the truth about the world. That needs to be done, doesn't it? She has them on the dance floor being uninhibited. I love watching shy girls shine with confidence. Marty Chiapetta could run this whole thing. She's amazing. She's so wise, loving, inspiring, and Nino Jr. loves it so much he doesn't want to leave. So many have given so much, I find myself overflowing with gratitude and thinking how much fun it would be for a mission team of these amazing, you know, people to go out together. They transform any city they are in. That is it. To be Christians, to be disciples, to be together, to be united, and to be able to make an impact wherever we are. We thank those that are going to Costa Rica or to Ghana or going in the, the middle of some of these hotbed terrorist activities like our students who went to Belgium and to, to, to France, you know, this year. For Jonathan Massey who's down in South Africa. For Douglas who's down in Trinidad teaching the Bible school, you know, as we speak here. You know, for Mark Ottenweller who'll soon be off to Accra, Ghana and helping out in, uh, you know, hope for, uh, for Africa with the orphans. And the way so many people give and the way we give here. And I, I don't know about you, here's, here's, here's for me. I think some of these people would be awesome anyway. I think Lynn probably be awesome even if she weren't a disciple. I mean, not going to heaven, that's a bummer. But I mean, she still would be awesome. <laughs> she got a great heart, 
I think Jeff would still be awesome. He's not as awesome as me as now. You know, a lot of people, you know, would, 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 would be great. Now, Christy Hickman, I'm not so sure about, okay? <laughs> and, and here's what I mean by that. Christy, you know, was Miss Teen USA in that whole world. I met her first out in LA. She'd gone out to Hollywood, okay, you know, and, and got started getting sucked up into that cesspool. And without Jesus Christ and brothers and sisters in her life being light and loving, no telling where her life would have gone. And I, and Kelly and I talk about it all the time, our lives, wow, where would we be without Jesus Christ in the kingdom? Bad shape. And some weeks are not so great for us right now. If you can relate. But praise God, he is changing our lives in this world of darkness. In a time of diversity, of, of disunity and distrust, God has called us, his church, to be perfectly united. Our worship team's going to come up and we're going to close out in just a minute singing about what the answer is, our God. But in this time, God has, has called us to be united in mind and heart, a loving example and a compassionate heart. In a time of fear, God has called his church to be courageous. We know their challenges without and within as violence tears the very fabric of our society and as a threat terrorism is in our country and around the world to everything we hold dear. That may be, we don't know the immediate future, but we do know we are a part of a social order that transcends and will way outlast America and any other country, you know, on this earth. We are citizens of heaven, Philippians chapter 3. We can passionately pray for our country. We will cry out to God. We will lament our hearts. We will allow them to break with concern. However, not as the pagans do who have no hope. Because we have been called out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And our God, our God is stronger. Our God is great. Our God can do anything. And let's call on him to do that. Let's stand up.